Well, good evening and thank you for joining us again. It's great to have you with us as part of our services. And if you have been coming along in the evening and just logging in, uh, you'd know that we've been discussing much of what Peter's been talking about in 2 Peter. And uh, last week he was particularly talking about the false teachers that were actually amongst the church. And with much of what has been said and written, it may appear that this letter is primarily about those false teachers. But then Peter goes to much length and detail about them, but uh, it's their lacking of theology or their understanding of God, and particularly talking about their moral lapses. But it's important to remember that 2 Peter is actually written to Christians, to faithful believers. And we find that Peter uses the presence and influence of the false teachers to develop the positive teaching he's now going to present to the Christians. If you look back at chapter 2, you'll see Peter is speaking about the false teachers, but now he returns to speak directly to the Christians again. It is clear that he's returning to the, an earlier subject, and there's a couple of parallels here that we need to look at between 1.13 and 3.1, 1.20 and 3.3. And Peter is returning to the subject he was discussing back in chapter 1. It isn't hard to notice the similarities, and so Peter will be again emphasising the importance of remembering and understanding the call is for believers to remember the truth and to recall all that Jesus, the apostles and the written word calls them to. And it is because of the false teachers and them having forgotten these foundational truths that they are now in error. Let's just pause and pray before we get into this. Father God, I thank you for your presence with us. I thank you that you are part of this service this evening, even though it's online. And Lord, I pray by your power, by power of Holy Spirit, that you'll be ministering to each person that hears my voice, that they'll engage with you, Lord, and that they will grow in faith as a result of this message this evening. I pray this now, Father, in Jesus' name, for his sake. Amen. So I think the first point that comes out of what we're looking at this evening is Peter emphasising that believers need to remember the truth. And as we move through this passage, um, in mind the overall message of Peter is a call to remembrance, a call to bring to mind the things of old, that which is established and sure, the foundation truth, foundational truth of God's Word which we have in the Bible. And 2 Peter 3, 1 to 2 says, This is now the second letter I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Saviour through your apostles. And Peter has just been speaking quite harshly about the false teachers in the previous chapter. And so he returns and refocuses on the believers and his desire is to assure them that he is confident of their faith, he is confident of their commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ and he calls them beloved. Well, some of you may have the NIV which says dear friends at the start and the thing is the original Greek word which is used here or which is translated here is a word that describes that loving relationship found exclusively in Christian fellowship, found exclusively amongst believers. And just using that title indicates Peter's love and pastoral care for those who are reading this letter. His desire is to remind them, again, of the foundations of the beginning of their faith. That joy, that wonder, that experience that they had as they made that first commitment to Jesus and believed that he had died for them. Peter's petition 
is to never lose sight of this, to always be returning to it, reflecting on it and securing all we do as Christians on the foundation of Christ, believing in the power of the cross. And he calls us to remember, to bring to mind the things of God. And we should always, as Christians, be dwelling upon these things, thinking upon them, the things of God. It's about remembering all the words of Jesus. And the two sources that are emphasized here are the prophets and the apostles. And the call is not just to uh, remember them, but to apply them to our lives. And he says to remember the words of the holy prophets. The NIV will say words spoken from the past by the holy prophets. The ESV will say predictions of the holy prophets. Both are referring to the Old Testament prophets and the accuracy and relevance of their word to us today as believers. And the word spoken by these prophets has been written down by God's providence. It's in Scripture. It's in our Bibles. And we know their words are confirmed through the fulfillment of many prophecies. But what we... What they had spoken is relevant to us today as well. Because of the many confirmations of the prophecies of old, we can be assured of the accuracy of those words. And they are words which God himself spoke through those prophets. The second source is the commandment of the Lord and Saviour through our apostles. And what is the command that is spoken of here? So many believe it's like a list of do's and don'ts, but Peter's referring to a basic command made to all believers. And 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16 says, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And what this passage is calling us to is exactly the same as Romans eight twenty nine. We are being we are to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. This isn't something that the apostles made up. Jesus himself said in Matthew 5:48, "Be perfect therefore as your heavenly Father is perfect." It is this command, this basic Christian principle which was taught by Jesus first and foremost and then by the apostles to all believers everywhere. It is a call for all believers to be conformed to the image of Christ. And when we say image, we're not just talking about appearance, that outward appearance. We're talking about thought processes, attitudes and relating to others. All should be growing daily to show more and more of Jesus through their lives. And Peter has reminded the believers to remember to conform to the image of Christ, to submit their lives to him. And now he suggests an urgency in the believers in so doing. And it's because there will be scoffers. Peter has been calling the believers to remember all that they've been taught and to apply that teaching to their lives and to live it out. And then we come to verse 3 and it says, Knowing first of all that scoffers will come in the last days, scoffing, following their own sinful desires. And his call is to know this first of all, first and foremost. It's a prompt or reminder Uh, about what has been taught about these scoffers. He's calling them to remember it. And Peter is implying, this is no surprise. You have been told that these people would come. And Jesus again says in Matthew 24, 5, For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And Jesus' warning here and in other parts of Scripture is that there will be false teachers who will come. 
It is something that Peter continued to teach after Christ's ascension. In Acts 20, 29 and 30, he says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from, from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. I don't know about you, but I often think about the Antichrist, the false teachers and the wolves. I thought of them as being popular people, people with huge followings. And I believe that is certainly the case in some instances. But it cannot be made any clearer. Some of these people being spoken about will come from amongst us. They will teach practices or encourage people to do things that are counter to God's teaching. It won't be obvious it will be subtle. They will justify their actions and conceal their intent in a facade of spirituality. Peter says, it's going to happen. They are amongst you. Be aware and know the truth. These will be people who rise up and oppose Christian teaching. They are mockers. They will belittle the gospel message as it is proclaimed. And they will do it by ridiculing those who present the word, the message that is given. And they will draw others into their godless habits by encouraging, encouraging them to be like they are. And they are supposedly enlightened, but they will gather and gossip. And Peter says, don't be like these mockers. In Peter's day, they were people who were seen to be Christians but then they particularly mocked the teaching that Jesus was going to return. And we look at verse 4 and it says, They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. And this passage is referring to the return of Christ. And Peter is saying that these false teachers in his day were implying that if Christ was indeed going to return, he would have done so already. And because he hasn't, then they believed it wasn't going to happen at all. They looked at the world and saw or said that it was continuing as it always had, ever since the fathers fell asleep. In fact, if Jesus' return was promised before the fathers died and nothing has changed, all things will continue as they always have been. But Peter says, they have forgotten the truth. In the next couple of verses, Peter points out that the scoffers' error. They say all things have gone on as they always have. And Peter says, not true. In verses 5 to 6, he says, For they deliberately overlooked this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water, and through water by the word of God, and that by means of this, the world that then existed was deluged by water and perished. These scoffers are not ignorant of what is said in God's word, but they willfully, deliberately disobey. They choose to believe what they want. A continuancy of human history without God's intervention, something that is counter to what we know to be true in the Old Testament. It hasn't continued as it always was. God created the world at a certain time. As it says in verse 5, God formed it through his spoken word. Verse 6 tells us that the same world that God created, he also destroyed. God's judgment came upon the earth in the time of Noah. And he intervened and destroyed all living things on the earth, except for those who were in Noah's ark. 
And Peter says that the God who created the world by water and his spoken word also destroyed the world by water and his spoken word. And Peter connects this creation and destruction with verse 7 through the same word. But by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. The word that created the heavens and the earth, the same word that brought destruction upon the earth, is the same word that maintains the present heaven and earth. And it will be God's word which brings about the destruction of the earth as we know it again. But it won't be with water. This time it will be with fire. And in contrast to the false teachers who do not believe Jesus is going to return and that this earth will pass, he says God has ordained a set day, a set time. And, and that will occur when we all know it's going to come and it's going to come suddenly and it will have a definite end. And this term refers to the destruction of the world and the final and terrible separation from God those of those who are condemned. And our reading today finishes with this last verse. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. And Peter wants to encourage believers who may be swayed because it appears God is delaying coming back. Think about these new believers who have come to faith and living in the expectation that Jesus will return at any moment. They have seen friends persecuted and killed. They have potentially been persecuted themselves. They've seen some of their faithful leaders also imprisoned. They are living as a group of people in expectation of Christ's return at any moment. And they believe that they could be imprisoned or killed themselves even at this time. And so with this anticipation, with everything they see going on, they may question, why does Jesus delay? Why isn't he returning now? And it isn't because God's day is a thousand years, as some people would say. But it is that one day is as a thousand to God. He lives outside of time. And so time has no bearing upon him. He views everything in a totally different way to what we do. He is already in the future that we know. He's in the past that we know. He's in the present. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere at once. He lives outside of time. And we as humans are impatient. We want things to happen now, especially in this age that we live right now. It's expected that we get everything spontaneously. But God is patient. He knows how long is needed for his plans and purposes to be fulfilled. And his purposes and his plans are always good. So we need to trust him. His timing and our lives are in the present, that expectation that he is going to return. We should believe that he's going to return. And it could be tomorrow, but we'll cover that more uh, next week when we move further into this chapter. So the question is, what is God saying to you today? I hope first and foremost, you've been thinking about that first experience you had when you first came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. What it was that caused you to submit your life to Him and to call upon Him to be your Lord and Saviour. 
And this is Peter's primary call. He's asking us to remember. He's asking us to remember the message of the gospel. It was that gospel message that opened your eyes to the reality of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants us to reflect upon Jesus' death and resurrection, resurrected to, to new life to prove that he had conquered the power of sin and death over humanity. And Peter says, remember that. Keep it firm in your minds. And he calls us to remember that it is only in accepting that Jesus died for me on that cross that I can be saved. And he then calls us to remember the command on our lives, to give ourselves in obedience to Jesus. And if we're genuine about that, if it has been a genuine commitment, then we want to live our lives as Jesus calls us to. And part of living that out, uh, the two greatest commandments that Jesus answered when he was asked uh, in Matthew 22, 37 to 39. And that is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. That's the first and greatest command. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And if we could do this, if we could live like that, we wouldn't have to do anything else. But we're human, we are weak, and we fail. It's one of the reasons Peter says he's going to remind the believers of the basics of faith and continue to do so. He's going to do it again and again. But I want to ask you, have you come to that point where you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you haven't, that's your first step. And I ask you to contact us. We are more than willing to speak to you. And we'd love to share with you our lives with Christ. And we can put you in touch with people of a similar age to yourself. And they will be more than happy to talk with you, to encourage you to find truth for yourself. That's our desire. We're never going to push anything upon anyone. We want you to discover the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ and his incredible saving grace. So please feel free to contact us. We're more than willing to do that. We'd consider it an honor and a privilege to help you find that truth in Jesus. But for those of you who've made that commitment and think about how your life has progressed from when you first gave your life to Jesus to where it is now. Have you continued to dig into God's word? Are you continually passionate about your life with him? Are you telling people about all that Jesus has done for you? Are you consumed by his word and do you find yourself praying diligently to him every moment of every day because you want to enhance your life with him? Or has it become something that you just do? You have your quiet times, and it's just about ticking a box. There's no drawing you. There's no excitement. There's no wanting to be with Jesus. Peter spoke with urgency, warning the believers to remember the truths that Jesus and the prophets and the apostles gave, which are contained in our Bible. And it's Peter's desire that we will be so established in those things, so established in the Word of God, that we'll be readily able to bring them to mind, to use them as a defense, a defense against the temptations that would come our way, a defense against false teaching which could be spoken, a defense against those false teachers and the potential for us to be led astray. He calls us to know the Word. And we need to develop habits which will feed the potential for us to recall 
all that Jesus taught us. And so I, I'm just going to give you a few suggestions of some habits that you could form, uh, habits that we should want to form as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I encourage you to do this. I'm more than happy to send information, to spend time with each one of you, to encourage you to dig into the Word. But we need to form good habits. And first and, first and foremost, I want to encourage you to read God's Word daily. Now, some of you aren't doing that. And I know the... the um, time to set aside and sit down and do that is rather daunting and it's not appealing at all but I want to challenge you to read for 21 days and if I can ask you just to read God's word for 21 days every day don't miss a day and even if it's just for eight minutes read God's word for 21 days if you miss a day you've got to start again so it's 21 days straight I want you to read God's word and then as this develops, don't allow it to be just a superficial reading. It's better to read a short passage of Scripture and understand fully what Jesus is saying to you. Pray before you read that passage of Scripture. Ask God to reveal His biblical truths to you, to challenge you, to transform your life to be more like Jesus. And He will speak to you. He may not do it when you first start, but it will ultimately happen. So read God's Word daily. And then, of course, we have to pray, as I mentioned, too. Pray before you read the Word. I encourage you, if you can, pray morning and evening at the very least. But it is something that we should develop so that we're having this conversation constantly with God throughout our days. As things come to mind, we give them to the Lord. We present them to Him. The things that burden us, the things that worry us, the things that need to be done, we should be conversing with God and saying, Lord, you know the burden I'm facing. You know what I have to do. I ask for your wisdom and guidance in the midst of what I'm doing. So many people hearing me this evening are university students and they're looking at trying to find their way in this world, what they should be doing. Do you consider what is it that God is calling me to do so I can honour and glorify Him in my career? I challenge you, spend some time in prayer. Gather some friends around you, trusted Christian people who will pray with you also. And I also encourage you to come to corporate prayer at SDBC. It's, it's so exciting to sit with people who have a heart for God and to hear them pour those hearts out before Him for you, the people of SDBC. And I just love gathering to pray with those people. So let's, let's develop a prayer life as well. I also think we should memorize Scripture. And this is going to be a tough one for a lot of people. It's certainly tough for me. But it's so good to memorize Scripture. And you do that so when temptations come your way, you can bring to mind passages of Scripture and it helps you ward off those temptations. You know, we're told, uh, resist the devil and he will flee from you. I don't think he likes us quoting Scripture at him. And so I encourage you, memorize Scripture. Start with the basics, the ones that you might perhaps looked at in kids' church, if that's what you used to do, or ones that really resonate with you. Start with them, but develop a, a whole volume of um, Scripture that you can memorize. You've heard me say it many times, I'm going to say it again. We need to take every thought captive. And this is about rejecting any thoughts that are not of Jesus. And yes, it's been a joke around the place, but it delights me when I hear you guys. I reject that thought in Jesus' name. And I encourage you to keep doing that. And when you do reject those thoughts, you recall those scriptures that you've memorized. You pray, you ask Jesus to cleanse your, cleanse your mind and to think only thoughts that he would think. And so I ask you to think upon the things of God. Dwell in him. When you read a passage and it speaks to you, make a note on your phone. You carry your phones everywhere and flick it on throughout the day and just pay attention to what it was that God spoke to you. And thank Him for that word. Thank Him for encouraging you in that and, and dwell in that. 
Get as much as you can from that passage. I ask too that you do some soul searching and you acknowledge the things in your life that need to change. And when those things are brought to mind, when they are shown to you, pray that God will help you deal with it. Pray that God will show you what you need to do and how you move on from this point. When you're talking to friends, why don't you talk about the things of God? Start with your Christian friends. Tell them about what God has taught you from the Word. Tell them about how you're struggling with memorizing Scripture. And if you're part of one of those conversations, then finish with prayer. Pray for each other. Encourage each other. Understand where, where people are in their walk and journey with God. And, and be those who spur others onto greater work. And that moves me on to the next point. We should be willing to help others anywhere, anytime. You never know who you're going to encounter. You never know who you're going to help and the difference that you'll make in their life. And again, in this season when we can't meet, when we can't physically be present with each other, I want to encourage you to get on the phone. I want to get on Messenger, send texts, whatever. Be contacting people. Let them know you're thinking of them. It's okay to say, I miss you. It's okay to say that I'm looking forward to catching up when this all settles. But let's be encouragers of each other. And finally, I want you to think about what you listen to, the music, um, podcasts and things like that, what you watch. And I want you to be honest with yourself. And I want you to stop listening or watching anything that is counter to Jesus' teaching and the way we should live as Christians. It's the old computer uh, saying, garbage in equals garbage out. We have to be filling our minds and our hearts with the things of God. And when we do, we will live more readily for him. Let me just close in prayer. Father God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for how this word has spoken to me. And Lord, I just pray that uh, there'll be something that has challenged uh, each person tonight. I pray, Lord, that they will respond to that. It's not me, Lord. It's you through power of Holy Spirit that speaks. And I ask that that challenge will go out to each and every one, Lord, and that we'll have a desire to draw closer to you. And Father, now as we head into our weeks, uh, I just pray that you'll go with us and before us. I pray that you'll bring to mind some of these things. And more than anything, Lord, I pray that each person will be determined to spend that 21 days reading your word, connecting with you, applying it to their lives. We pray this now, Father, in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you one and all. God bless.